You have two eyes, huh? Do you understand the game a bit? Yeah. Have a look. I'm not saying anything to you in particular because I know you're not too accurate with your reporting. That, that's what okay, you paid so for. So you're saying it. I should resign. So you're saying I should resign. I think that's your opinion. Yeah. Is that right? That's my opinion. Fine. Are you going to resign then? No, of course I'm not going to resign. I simplify things next time. <laughs> Welcome to the National Curriculum. Uh, I hope I'm hosting because actually we didn't work that out before the show, but I just started talking straight away. And look, the first thing I want to say is to our audience, thank you uh, for tuning in and karma, eh? tranquilo. Look at all these comments. Tom says late. Jack Pantelios says fashionably late. Tom says early in Adelaide. Antonis Pagonis, TNC late. This is football heritage. Guys, this is, this is an You missed the best one. I'll you missed on. the best one. Go you on. missed the best comment. Edmund's comment. Go. Read that Edmund, one out. Edmund Al Young said TNC for Logies. Well, look, technically we haven't appeared on television, so I don't know if we qualify. I don't know if the Logies yes. has a cyber. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. But look, tonight you have a treat. This is such a treat for the for the viewing public. Tonight what we have is, you know, obviously I've got Joey Lynch, as you can see with me, less of a treat. Nick DeBarno, a proper treat. Pakua Frimpong is coming on to talk Matildas, an actual proper, that's the top treat. This will be an espresso edition of TNC mm. football. Not a, not a full long black, full, you know, analyzing everything in Australian football. Just a little, ooh, good. And and you can it's, take that for your week. Go. It's it, it's a little zest. It's like mm. a bit of a bit of energy to you know get you through the night, and then it won't be enough to keep you up until the wee hours of the morning. It will just be enough and enough to keep you tied over hopefully until Sunday as well. So yeah, uh, I'm sure there's a lot that we can get into either way. So uh, let's go. That's Sol. right. Get, get, get us into it, mate. Look, we're going to talk, we're going to talk about the Socceroos, the reaction to the Socceroos that's been this week, because it, it, it has been an interesting narrative shift, shall we say, especially because the outsiders, you know, our, our friends in the media who might not really follow football very often, they've kind of come in a little bit this week and, and started to talk about football or soccer, as they call it. And uh, there's been some weird things said by those guys, but that's okay. That's okay. We're here to educate. We're here to you know, welcome them, welcome them to our, our wonderful sport and say, it's all good. It's all good. Um, Joey will no doubt uh, plug one of his 4,000 articles uh, that he has coming out in the next two days. Nothing, any, any, nothing. nothing coming out in the next few days. If you are a publisher of Australian football, get on to Joey Lynch because his fingers are going to get withdrawal syndrome from writing so many they'd, articles. Uh, they'd rather hit up cricket writers to tell us what to think than actual people that That's are true. See, cover so the game all, week in and week out. We're already getting there. And then Nick DeBarno, obviously, you got some stuff coming out this week, a lot of AFL stuff probably. <laughs> um, yes, yes. <laughs> I don't understand any of it, but um, Harry Harry Kane for the Carlton, uh, kicking goals at the front, whatever, whatever's yeah, happening yeah. there. You're close enough. You're close enough. But uh, yeah, for sure. Plenty of AFL stuff, but that's a story for another day. Should, should we have a team in Tasmania? That's the big question. A-League or football otherwise? It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, I actually have a take on this, but I'm not sharing it tonight. All right, all right. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll have it. We'll have time. Look, what we can say, a bit of breaking news, um, transfer news. Uh, Oliver Bazanic, or Bazanic, or I think it's Bazanic, uh, has signed uh, for the Western Sydney Wanderers. He arrives uh, on a free transfer from the UFOs. So incredible. Uh, I swear there's been like scuttlebutt around this for months. 
like I saw the big piece came out in FDBL yesterday and all that. I feel like I've been hearing Bozanic uh, to the Wanderers for weeks. Like, weeks, months. Uh, am I, am, yeah, am I going crazy or like... Look, my understanding... My understanding is he. I mean, this is my assumption. Actually, like this is dropping the U the UFO bit for a second. I feel like I've been hearing about this for ages. Well, basically, I think he probably had a deal with them, yeah, in place, and that's why they, the Mariners were like, okay, well, if you're not going to be here next season, we're dropping you, and that's why he disappeared off the face of the earth. Then, unfortunately, he happened to be abducted by aliens <laughs> at the, the same time, <laughs> and then no one, no one heard of it. No one knew where he was. No one could explain it. The, the, no one would say anything because obviously we didn't want the bad publicity. Devon, we need to have a proper sit down, like one-on-one interview, like sixty minutes style, with Oliver Bazanik to him tell us about where he has been for the past four months and to tell us exactly what happened, where did he go, what experiments were the aliens, uh, you know conducting on him and you know on and on human civilization and what sort of player is he when he comes back is he going to have extra powers because the aliens have given him uh maybe some advanced technology and maybe he's going to come back and be some sort of super player and we just have no idea well i mean it, all i'm going off is the documentary that i watched as a kid um about aliens uh taking sports stars uh space jam i don't know if you guys ever saw it and they actually the I players that came space back jam, god's they, sake stole hey there's two of them now there's two of them there's i haven't uh, seen the Bro- god awful don't even don't even bother seeing the second one <laughs> you know you know what's bad i saw the lebron one just because i like lebron and he was terrible <laughs> but but lebron oh, now, now you bust out your lebron love now that aren't not on the show to rip your head off. You bust out the hey, love. Speaking of um, Ante, uh, you know we say availability is the best ability, and he is having a shocker tonight. Unavailable. Um, Josh Parrish, no ticker whatsoever. You know, still Mate. on the campaign trail in uh, North Queensland, so he'll be back soon. Um, Teo Pelizzeri, look, kind of comes in for one game, injured. Gareth Bale vibes. Probably not coming back for another eight months or something. You know what I would like to point out what this now means, however? This yes, means man. that in the ESPN era of the national curriculum, I am the only panellist to be a, a, star, a walk-up starter for every single show that we have done. Hey, I'd be on every show. No, but you, didn't, you, you didn't start our Mega Powers Edition one. So you're, you're a yeah, late well, sub. You're not a starter. Yeah, that's, I am yeah, the only is, starter for every TNC. Yeah, well, that's all right. And, that's and, all right. And, and, if, and, and if availability is the best ability, that er, it ergo follows that I have the most ability of any TNC panelist. Just like any regular starter, he's already got complacent. He's already chatting yeah. shit. All right, he's already already. We need to kick him out. So look, let's get on to it, guys. I want to. Talk- Australian football runs on hierarchy, and now I, I have now established myself clearly as the number one on the TNC hierarchy. Australian football has enough problems without you establishing yourself as number one anything. So just stay it there for a second. All right. We're going to talk Socceroos qualifying reaction. So, guys, we did our uh, reaction pod uh, on the – we did it on the Wednesday. They qualified on the – Was it Tuesday or Wednesday we qualified? I've lost track we, of days. I think we qualified Tuesday, Tuesday morning. Yeah, Tuesday night. 
And then we did a cheese sandwich. And then yeah. since then, it's it, it's been interesting because we've kind of, you know, we've had the airport arrival. We've had the red main, you know, the better video came out of um, the, the water bottle situation. Um, we, 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 we've had kind of the general football world come in, you know, and we've had uh, who I can't remember who it was, but someone in the City Morning Herald was basically like, well, you know, that's not sportsmanship. Uh, so what did you guys just think of this last kind of, five, six days, because we've had the good, you know, Australia, how good is how's good soccer, how good's football, our World Cup's coming. You know, that is good. It is good that the wider Australian public has kind of gotten more into it. It's gotten back on front and back pages and stuff like that. However, at the same time, with all that comes quite a wave of ignorance that you have to let kind of hit you in the face and go past you. Dabano, what's been your take on it? Uh, it's been really weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's been really weird. <laughs> like turning on... Uh, the TV, like at random points or seeing on social media clips cut from the Today Show or from Sunrise or from Channel 10 News. And well, Channel 10 News have been having their, their segments mm. for most of the A League season, with you know, obviously the broadcast deal, but mainly from nine and seven. And then seeing on uh, websites such as you know, any News Corp website or any Fairfax 9 website, you're seeing basically some sort of article about the Socceroos, whether it's the fact they qualified. Um, you know, the centenary stuff that happened uh, the last couple of days, obviously. That, do you, that do you guys think the... we should have done more with that centenary thing? Centenary. Or would, what could you have done? Because you're at the mercy of like, like people are like, we should have had a game on. It's like, well, we just Yeah, but we just, we just qualified for the World Cup. Yeah. Like, just we save it for the September friendlies, you know? <laughs> like, should we have released it, it was a weird. kit? We it it was weird there wasn't a commemorative kit. It was weird yeah. that there wasn't a replica of the first ever kid or something like that, just based purely upon, well, Nike sponsors Australia, correct? And haven't Nike produced, like, anniversary kits for other nations? It's like, why wasn't, like, but it, it, it was marked. Like, there's there's a book that's come out. There's a Football Australia have produced a little film on their YouTube pages and social media. I just think, it was just difficult because like, why would you, why would you take away from what the flavor of the month is, which is the soccer is qualifying for a world cup. I mean, if, well, if we, got, also, if we, if we'd gotten this next month when that sugar hit had worn off, get proper, yeah. you know, proper agro with it, but it's difficult to, you know, hammer them when they've got soccer who's just qualified for a world cup, you know, dominating the media and, the normies and why would you try to distract them with something which let's face it is a lot more hardcore focused with its demographics i think you're just a complete ultimate capitalist looking for that extra kit looking to make some sales looking to looking to sell some things so it's good to see but uh what i think might be happening is because we've qualified for the world cup We've got a we've got a World Cup kit now, so we'll have a World Cup kit. So will that World Cup kit be a hundred year slash World Cup kit? I, I would like to see the, I would like I to so. see the away kit be the so the soccer is initially played in a sky blue kit with a red A symbol. Mm. Sounds like an away kit to me. Yeah, green. You know, you get your gold golds shirt, uh, green uh, shorts, white bloody socks for the home kit. And then you bust out the centenary hundred year first shirt as the away kit. Sounds perfect. I was as like, long as go ahead. As long as we're straying away from the yellow shorts, yellow kit, uh, home kit, because mm, yeah, no, the no. old yellow mustard is a uh, no go for Look, me. 
I will I will say I think I'm one of the few people in Australian football who doesn't really care too much about kids. People go nuts about kids all the time. At the start of the season, let's rank all the kids. Man, I don't care. Play some good football in the kids. That's what I want to say. But speaking of kits, uh, Stephen Paletti, they say that TLL kit looks fantastic on Joey. Stephen, no compliments for Joey, please. All right. Uh, but we'll it's, give a quick shout uh, out their, to the ladies' it's their league. Fantastic, it's their fantastic uh, sweatshirt, not their kit. So... Okay. The uh the Kappa sweatshirt. Um That's nice. Keeps me Man, nice. Be, what are you selling stuff. again? Yeah, Antonis Pagonis says hashtag sponsored. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Joey is <laughs> just selling me. And then and then of course we've got Nick Dabano in the beanie tonight. If if you're listening to yeah. the podcast, you'll have to watch the thing. But Nick Dabano having a terrible hair day, so he just <laughs> stuck on a beanie inside. Or maybe it's yeah, that well, cold in Melbourne. No, 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 no. Well, today, like it's one of those days where you have a shower, you don't do anything with your hair. I went out, had a kick with a mate, and I was like, it's really cold. I'm gonna whack on a beanie. Took the beanie off later and realized how bad my hair looked. It was that really bad beanie hair, and everyone's yeah. been there before. So I had to whack on another beanie. And it's a it's a special beanie, the Fight MND big freeze beanies that have been uh flying off the shelf obviously for the past week uh with last monday the queen's birthday big freeze so thought why not let's get a bit more of a plug-in for it i'll just say uh one thing um the ladies league.com forward slash shop forward slash all right well look uh Hiraldo, good friend of the show says for whatever reason this qualification seems to have cut through to mainstream media more than 2017 whether positive or negative debano thoughts on that my reason is i think it's the andrew redmayne stuff to be honest as well i think that's yeah. really it's it's the moment of like the novelty behind it like you know the great wiggle you know making the big save and doing all the antics on the on the line as well. And I think as well, just the whole situation behind it, like, you know, winning on a penalty shootout, I mean, it's dramatic as it's going to get. And I think that the mainstream media just ate it up. You know, the fact, oh, mm. Australia did it in the most dramatic of circumstances. They're going to a fifth straight world cup. They subbed on a goalkeeper. To understand. Yeah. Like, it, like, and I actually remember, I did an interview with the ABC, uh, the Japan game uh, at home. And like, you know, it's ABC, Sydney radio, typical like lunchtime thing. And the guy was genuinely asking me, like, he's like, oh, so if we win this, are we through? And I was like, no, no. And, so, <laughs> and if we lose this, are we out? No, but it is do or die. Yeah, yeah, it's really important because we need to get. And then it was like, oh, and then so who do we play after this? I go, well, we play a dead rubber against Saudi Arabia. But then also we got to play the UAE in a playoff game. And he was like, what? And then, oh, then maybe we've got to play Peru, Chile or Uruguay. Or like, this guy couldn't get it, right? So it is easier now that the media understands Okay, Grey Wiggle did a dance, save, we're through. Uh, but it could feel, ignoring the the complications surrounding a playoff, because that was also the case in 2017, it could just simply be because, you know, having gotten used to feeding off scraps for the past four years, that it, it, the media coverage hasn't actually increased compared to what it is in previous years. It's just given the very low base that Australian football has got used to operating on for much of the past four years. This feels um, like a feast, a bountiful harvest, when in fact it's more just the end of a drought, so to speak, potentially the end of the drought that will, will, will only last for all of you know five months until the World Cup ends and then normal service can resume. So, uh, like, I mean, it's been... It's been mainstream media. It's been, I like, I can't begrudge any of the coverage, to be honest. I mean, well, 
I can't even, begrudge even the the piece no, saying. No, no. Let me let me rephrase that. I can't begrudge you know football Australia or the Socceroos getting out there here, there, and everywhere and doing their thing. This is the moment to do it um, and get your names out there and just try to establish any sort of foothold um, in the mindset of the Australian public. It was it became readily apparent in the aftermath of the Redmayne save that. It was a moment that had legs more so. Like, the, it, it was the biggest single individual qualifying moment in Australian football since Aloisi's penalty. I mean, it went past Kennedy's header. Mm. I mean, arguably the only... Yedinax penalties yeah. against Honduras. Yeah, Yedinax, <laughs> you know, big scream in the last uh, cycle. I mean, arguably the only bigger thing... In Australia, well, the only biggest individual image or moment in Australian football since then, in terms of cut through, was the image of Lucas Neal on one kneel, one knee, going like this to the referee in the Italy game. So, yeah. of course, there's going to be a lot of cut through, and you do want to take advantage of that um, because you go out and ask anybody in the street, "What do you know about the Socceroos?" Everybody knows that Aloisi penalty. Yeah, you know, everybody knows, you know, the Lucas Neal incident, regardless of what their opinions on it are. So you you do need to make hay while the sun shines. And whilst I don't imagine Andrew Redmayne will be the cornerstone of Socceroos attempts to win hearts and minds for the next decade, um, he'll, people will at least associate him with the Socceroos. And it's another memory and it's another moment and it's another opportunity to win hearts and minds. So, look, keep your questions and comments coming in. Uh, Gerardo kind of following up says, more suspenseful slash unlikely win this time, which is true, uh, but also wonder how much the fuss over Ange leaving took away from 2017. Yeah, because it was like the next day or something, wasn't it? The next day he came out and said, so that did kind of change. Dave, the, Devo- Dave, Dave, Dave Davudovic broke that story. Apparently he disappeared for most of the actual game itself. So that was like a huge story that broke at the time. I remember that time. He- but- it was, it was it, you got to credit him for that. He broke, like legitimately broke, the biggest story in Australian football in decades. But I'd just say also, I think the important thing is the unlikely win this time. And it's something that uh, Philip Mate kind of follows up. We could beat a South American team, which we were expected to beat Honduras last time. Are you so, saying you yeah. expect to win next time? I mean, I always expect to win. Hang on. But yeah, so, I mean, the issue's a good point. I mean, just having a look, just Ange, yeah, Ange resigned two weeks after that game against Honduras. So it was very, very yeah. soon after. But I think we all kind of knew it was coming. The story, the came, story out came out the next straight day. after. Yeah, yeah. 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 But the, the yeah. official communicado official, like where Ange had that press conference, was two weeks after. Um, but yeah, I think that we all knew the writing was on the wall. And obviously then Dave's story came out the, the day after. So yeah, it feels like such a surreal time that compared no, the, to... The, the, the writing wasn't yeah, on yeah. the wall then. That was a bombshell. When it was dropped, like there were mm. people knew nah. that Ange was unhappy. People knew yeah, that Ange was unhappy. Yeah. I don't yeah. think anybody expected him to Sorry, quit prob- before yeah, the World I th- Cup. But I remember all that. I, th- I think like people, it was a bombshell. But I think as well, like you know, with all that scrutiny. Remember how like after there was oh, there was those a ton games of scrutiny, but scrutiny nobody expected him to leave before the World Cup. Mm. Nobody okay. expected him to leave. I'll take that. The the other thing is. Um... You know, it is just kind of interesting thinking back to that time. Like, I remember being in a press conference with Ange and, like, thinking, like, like, mate, are you, like, 
depressed or something. Like you don't look like you were happy at all to be like, he, he just looks so sapped of energy and so unhappy. And then you compare it to now and everything you see with him, at, like, and obviously he's having a great time at Celtic and maybe it's club football as well. He likes it. Maybe it's just being like away from Australian football that makes you happy. And maybe there's a lesson for all of us there, but every time he's like, Oh yeah, mate's having a great time. He's, you know, he's coming on Stan Sport FC. He's coming on Greek TV. He's having, he's having a great time. Um, Hey, news from across the ditch. Uh, Philip Rollis says the Socceroos game was our best performing sports story in New Zealand that day. And that's all down to the late goalkeeper side, Red Man dancing and the same. Like it was, it was a cool story, like that pretty much everyone could get their head around. Like as in you could visually kind of see it within 30 seconds. It made sense to you in a news if it just came on, you know, on the Today Show or whatever. So that would have helped as well. Anyway, mm. like, but like the amount of coverage just gets. It's gonna be no real legacy from it. Oh, you think you think no real legacy from yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. People are gonna forget dancing goalkeeper. Like yeah, that's well, the, no, that's yeah, the... but like they'll remember dancing goalkeeper. Just how much long term legacy does Aloisi's penalty really have? People remember it. Like that was the last time. I think it's one of the great moments of Australian. It's a great moment, but like, how is it going to be? How is it? No, well, I'll rephrase. How is it actually going to affect the game? I think that game, what the Aloisi moment. Like, how how will Australian football change because of this media coverage? I think the Aloisi moment. I think it converted. All right, maybe the Aloisi moment is a bad comparison, but how is this Redmayne moment going to change Australian football? Um, Not the save, just the the coverage. Like obviously, his save hugely well, changes it. Like I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm just taking on the anti role now. But just I think like, <laughs> what will actually change as a result of Redmayne? Well, it, it, that's that's actually coverage. a question. That's actually a question for Football Australia and Sydney FC and the APL. You know what? Like, what do they do but, with it? But yeah, and I think. To answer it, there will be a change because obviously, if we didn't make the World Cup, there would be well, less that's what media I'm coverage. Like, I mean, that, like, no, no, that's what I'm be... saying. I'm, div- I'm divorcing his save from the media coverage surrounding it. Okay, like, how I'm does the media like... coverage change anything? Well, the fact we made the World Cup means that there'll be no, more but media no, coverage. no, 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 no. I'm divorcing the footballing, the save itself from the media coverage, Nick. Yeah, but hold on. <sighs> I actually don't know what you're saying either. So <laughs> you, you, got, you might have to divorce yourself from okay. this podcast. I don't know. The media, <laughs> coverage, the media coverage is separate from the actual qualification itself. Yes. Yes. So you're saying football as a whole, like holistically, like A-League. Yeah. You know. No, okay. like the way the Socceroos play football. Oh, nah, man. That's, no, oh, that's not going to change anything. He's the one save. What, how much do you want from it? All right, look. Shut up for a second. <laughs> and how no one's going like, to start going into more X's and O's will, and will this will, will this affect, you know, like the way the A-League team's set up or anything like that? So <laughs> will, will this <laughs> reform the way that Australians play like, penalties? Goalkeepers are going to be going like this every week, you know? No, but you know what? What's going to happen? I bet you at Park Football, and I want to hear if people have already experienced this, but at Park Football, every time everyone gets a penalty, and I was at a MPL game uh, today, uh, Sydney Olympic v Marconi and there were two penalties and the goalkeeper didn't do any dancing and he conceded both of them so mm, uh, well, and maybe mean, people has it also been slightly lost in the furor that Andrew Redmayne only saved one penalty this is what I want to talk about <laughs> yeah, all right okay, okay. I don't want to rain on anyone's parade but the amount of oh what a tactical genius oh what a what a genius it is like yeah Redmayne did put the pressure like it does 
added distraction. One might argue that his throwing the bottle away was a greater, (laughs) had a greater effect on the result. 100%, dude. (laughs) 100%. But the thing that people like, it was a tactical masterclass. If he'd saved three out of six, then we can say it. Then we can say it. But one out of six, man, you should save one out of six penalties, actually. Like, I reckon that's probably throughout a shootout. If you take, if someone, if a team takes 12, what do you think they're going to get two, right? Right? Am I wrong? Look, honestly, if, if he if he had saved one, but it saved say save one with all the you know the excitement there's been about it and you know the dancing and the celebration everything. Imagine if say he saved like three in a row. Like I'm talking like oh, you oh, know, so, oh sorry sorry Joey so sorry to bring it up. I'm talking like how Donnarumma did in the final. Like if say he just went <laughs> and he went bonkers and like it was a like literally at that point and he clawed us back into the penalty shootout by saving three in a row and did that. This guy would have a statue like what's the old statue? You know, in ancient Greece, there was that big statue when you came in through the port and you like the boats used to go through the legs. The Colossus of Rhodes. There, they'd have a Colossus of Rhodes in Sydney Harbour of Andrew Redmayne standing like you know the. So Man, why not? They should. Anyway. Well, I'm like, the only member on this pod not part of the olive oil supremacy yet. I'm still the only one that knew that. Okay, because that's that was that was Frauds. a long time ago. All right, all right. Look, <laughs> relax. Look, first one might of... argue that a long time ago is the only thing the olive oil supremacy has. But I don't oh, know. oh, 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 oh! Uh, hang on, hang on a hey, second. Hey, hold, hang on, a second. hold on, hold on. Italy, hold on. European champions. All right, Greece. Uh, 2004 <laughs> European champions. <laughs> Spain, 2008 European champions. Olive oil. Portugal also olive oil. Man, olive oil has just won every Man, European what, championship. What was going the last thing? To... What about England? What have they done? We invented the sport. Ah, okay. And, 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 yeah, get out. Look, <laughs> Philip Rollo, uh, let us know about what happened with uh, the New Zealand thing because I completely mm. missed that because I was. So let us know were you guys robbed? Were you guys not? Write in the comments or if you want, message Nick or Joey and they can send you a link and we'll get you on the show. Why not? This, this, we can do it if you don't want to. It's probably late in New Zealand. Probably having a good sleep. It's very, um, it's very late in New Zealand. Hey, he's coming, dude. I'm just saying, if you want to come on the show, we've had him on before. He was yeah, great. Yeah, for sure. 100%. All right. Uh, <laughs> Heraldo, what, man, what a memory this guy has. Like, honestly, they should study your memory because if you don't follow Heraldo, you should because he goes on Twitter and he's like, you know what? In 1994, uh, I think, and he would do like a, th- a th- thread about like, I don't know, some obscure football game or cricket or whatever. But he says the qualification also didn't directly coincide yeah. with a referendum result that they had totally forgotten. It was yeah. the gay marriage referendum. And as someone who lives in Surrey Hills, the gay capital probably of this whole country, um, God, that feels like a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, well, I was at, well being in Sydney that day for that Socceroos yep. Honduras game, remember how like the CBD was buzzing after mm. the yes vote came through. And uh, I think, I think that actually is a good point. It, that, that was certainly a massive story from that well, time. So yeah. Of and there wasn't, there wasn't a big news story on the day of um, the red main thing. Like it was kind of a slow day. Like even um, my girlfriend who works for in the nine news department, she was like, ah, I think our top story is red main. Can you believe it? So uh, <laughs> who knows? But anyway, yeah. So that's kind of been the interesting reaction. The other interesting reaction, which I think, has kind of no doubt annoyed some of us is, and I saw Simon Hill on Offsiders today and he was asked the question and I, sorry, I don't know by who, he's some bald guy who I've never seen before, um, but I'm sure he's a respected uh, journalist, good for him. Um, <laughs> but he was like, oh, you know, um, Graham Arnold was absolutely criticized, hounded uh, in the lead up to this game. 
and uh, you know, was did anyone have any right to question him? Or like that was how he phrased it. I think he said, "Did anyone have any right to question?" Him? And fair play to Simon Hill. Simon Hill was like, "Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, we should do it." But also, this is kind of the interesting thing we were talking last week about how much praise should Arnie get. But it's really interesting that some people are like, "Oh my god, it's unbelievable this guy was ever questioned." And he, look, no revisionism. We all saw those Socceroos games. We sat through the China game. There was room for criticism. Well, maybe that's the problem. Like a lot of the people in the media saying that didn't sit through those games. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Like, like another thing, I'm going to repeat it. Nobody has ever questioned Graham Arnold's commitment to the badge and his love of the Socceroos. No one ever questioned that. So he's like, yes, it is a positive for him, but it's also nobody ever actually questions that. Like, I, I remember writing several times, like, reflecting upon how much, you know, sacrifice he had to make away from family and friends. And that. like, that's that has never once been, you know, nobody's ever accused him of being Bert van Marwijk's spec of being here for the paycheck. Mm, yeah. 100%. So. Here's my theory, is is my big galaxy brain take. It would be better off if we didn't know the coach, the national team's coach's name or their identity, right? If it was like no, a mask. No, 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 If it was a mask singer type of vibe, right? So they're in a costume the whole time, the whole qualification process, right? We don't know who they are. Is this they a serious like, question or a bit? <laughs> It's a little bit, it's a bit serious. It's a bit of a bit. It's like how I like to be, right? But it can be like the stick. It can be like the stick. We don't know who it is, right? We just call him the coach. Because then no one can be, oh, do you have something against this person? It's like, how can I have something against this person? I don't even know who it is. All I do is watch the games and see that they're playing like crap and the results are terrible and da da da. Or conversely, you go, look, well, I don't know. Maybe the guy is an asshole or the woman is an asshole or whatever, but the football's amazing. But if you don't know the identity, because too much becomes about the identity of the coach, is my serious point. But I think you could make it like the Mars Singer to make it fun. Nuts. It's <laughs> ridiculous. It's stupid. The national team coach is the most, I'm not going to say it's the most important, but it's the most sacred job in every federation's setup, in everywhere on the planet. Every federation's most important jobs are the coach of their men's and women's team. There's a level of responsibility. There's a level of trust. There's a level of scrutiny that comes with those sorts of things. So yes, the uh, the um, the identity. I'm, I can't believe I'm answering this portion of the question seriously. <laughs> the identity of the national team coach should always be named. I mean, do you think we become too obsessed with it though? No, Dubano. It's the national. It's the national team. It is the ultimate realization of who we are as a football country. We I should don't. be obsessing over this. To use your language, divorce yourself from the identity of the national thing. <laughs> we need to divorce. No, my point is, it becomes too much about. It becomes too much about Arnie. Like it, this is the thing to me that's crazy. Is people are like, oh, like for example, people criticized this part in particular because you guys are from Melbourne, because Melbourne people don't like Sydney FC and blah blah blah, right? Can I just, can I just, I've never supported Melbourne Victory. I've know, never know, supported know, Melbourne City. I've never supported, I don't give it, I don't, 
I dis if I was to describe myself as anything, I would say I dislike successful teams. So I probably dislike Melbourne Victory just as much, if not more, than Sydney FC, just purely because I don't like any teams that are successful because I live in misery and I want others to join me in this piece of despair and melancholy. I don't give a flying fudge where Graham Arnold's from. I actually, I like, I've met Graham Arnold several times. He's a great bloke in person, you know. Sit down, like, he, you know, the pub test. Would I have a beer with Graham Arnold? Well, I'd have a Coke, but would I have a Coke while he had a beer with Graham Arnold? Absolutely. Like, and that's the thing, like, you mentioned there, it became so much about Arnie. I don't, I'll just speak for myself here. I don't remember ever questioning Graham Arnold person. Mm. I questioned the tactics and the approach and the selection. I questioned football decisions. Just because Graham Arnold happened to be making them doesn't mean that I'm, I'd have an issue with Graham Arnold. You know what would solve that problem? If you didn't even know who it was. Well, that's the thing. If Graham Arnold needs scrutiny just as much as anybody else. The Barno. Because he's go, been given the scrutiny. Okay. No, 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 Joey. You, you finish. You finish. You get, is it... no, but, but just finish off. Finish off. Get, get it out. Get it out. Graham Arnold's got the most sacred job in Australian football. The, the exact same thing as Tony Gustafsson. You know, mm. they have the most important, the most sacred jobs in Australian football. They are jobs that I could never come close to getting. You know, they are jobs that a select only a select few will ever have the honour of receiving, and even fewer Australians will have the honour of receiving. There is a level of scrutiny that comes with that. If people weren't questioning tactics and approach after the China and Oman games and the like, like I don't like, and it's it's not a matter of oh, Ange got this done to him or Holger had this done to him and Arnie. No, on the subject of divorcing things, just divorce Arnie's tenure from all the others and place it in a vacuum. That's what I've done this entire window. Like, I remember like people were like when the heat was on following the Japan and Saudi games, people were just like trying to come, oh, well, he made the playoffs the same as Ange and, you know, yada, yada, yada. It's like, I don't give a toss what has happened previously. Well, like, and since when did the Ange era become like the benchmark? Because yeah, okay, the the Asian Cup was the, amazing, yeah. but the qualification process twenty the the was not good. That's the thing, like, and that's the other thing, like, it's one of the other reasons I've disliked this entire thing. Of it, it's somehow become, it's weird. It feels like it's become kosher and acceptable and just sort of like common. Well, it, not common knowledge because it's wrong, but it's sort of just become, you know, just a casual thing. People will just throw out that this is the worst Socceroos team in decades. The cattle yeah. isn't there. Like, yeah. I disagree with that. Yeah, I agree. I, and like, I agree just, with your disagreement. Uh, it's not because it, it, it's not as good as the golden generation. That's besides the point. Like, the cattle isn't there because it's not as good as the golden generation. Like, like we said on this pod a few weeks ago, they're not playing the golden generation. Mm. They're playing Oman, Vietnam, Japan, Saudi Arabia, and they're playing the 2022 variants of these nations. That's always been what the question has been. Is the other players, is the cattle there to beat those sides? Not beat the golden generation, not beat Andrew's sides, not beat any of those sides. So, like, yeah, maybe the de debate has become too polarised, Nick Stoll, but 
when people say that, I'm wondering what they actually want the debate to look like. You know, it's interesting. Because it, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it more that they just want the debate to, you know, focus on, like, we, their, their points of view should just become, you know, this is the worst Socceroos team in 20 years. That has to just be taken as fact. I disagree with that. So just on that, looking at the 2013 team that played against Iraq in our kind of, you know, the quality. Oh, I'm not going to get into, like I said, I'm not going to get into comparisons with this. Like you two can, but like I said. You just put it question, out there. You just said, you threw it I, out I, there. I, I, what I put out there was, no, like I said, I dislike those aspects of the conversation. The conversation should be, did this team have the talent to beat Oman? Did it have the talent to beat China? Okay. That has to be the questions. Did this team have the talent to do better in this qualification period, not four years ago? That should be the question. It doesn't matter what other teams have done. Debano? Am I good to go now? I think so. <laughs> I think You're the one yeah, who insisted right. on doing this show. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't, Joey, don't start throwing this shit at me. Like, I'm just, Joey, I'm just saying, all right? You're leaning into the camera menacingly. Like, you're kind of... <laughs> you look like you're about to kill us. Like, Jesus Christ. I'm scared, man. It's like you live far away, Joey. Like, I'm worried that, like, you know, you're going to bloody launch, mate. Can oh, I just say, Debana, the reason he's so upset is because he was in a superior city last night in Sydney, had a great time, and now he's back in Melbourne, and he's he's depressed that he's back in an inferior city. Okay, look, can I just say, look, again, not to harp on this too much, but again, um, sort of echoing Joey's sentiments, because Joey, you kind of touched, I think, what we're all thinking to an extent about the whole Arnie thing. Like, none of us have ever questioned his love. We've never questioned him as a person. Like... You know, from my limited interactions with him, similar sentiments, never had a problem with him. We've all just had questions about his coaching. Like we were with any other coach. You Like Ted, like, like he, he, like we're talking about, you know, I know this is all, you know, this is a fantasy coach. It's a fictional coach. But I mean, Ted Lasso is the ultimate good bloke. Doesn't mean that he can coach. That's the whole point of the whole thing. We're not calling Arnie Ted Lasso. But it's like, it doesn't, we're not questioning Arnie's per- personality and his character. We're just talking about him as a coach and his, and his tactical decisions and how he performed in qualification. Because as Joey said, we should have done better. And if we did, if we're using, okay, we got through in the playoffs as the excuse, well, we should be aiming a bit higher than that because it's like how we say, well, we've gotten to the World Cup. That should be the pass mark. No, we should be aiming higher than that. We should be aiming to get past the group stage or to get to the round of 16 and go beyond that eventually, but at least try and better the results of our last four or, th- or three qualification uh, World Cup appearances where we didn't get past the group stage. Like that should always be the aim. Doesn't matter who's in our group. Um, and I guess, you know, it, when we're t- talking about qualification, I'd say, well, Andrew's team as well had to go through the playoffs. But hey, look, it's a different team. It's a different coach. We had great opportunities and we dropped a lot of points against some really, really like teams that we should have been. Like, let's be real. Let's be 100% real. We look at, especially those last six games, we won, was it one of our last six in the in the group games? One against Vietnam and that was it. And then I think we we obviously had the draw against China, the draw against Oman. We should be beating those teams. And I think that was like a third, second, third string Oman team as well, which to be honest, that's just not good enough. The fact we didn't beat them in that game. It doesn't matter where that game's being played or on whose home deck. A team like Australia should be winning that game and should be winning quite convincingly. Um, so it is disappointing. Of course, we're going to ask those questions, but that's all in the past now. Like that's in the past now, just like the golden generations in the past, this qualification phase is now in the past. 
All we can do now is now start to look ahead. We've got friendlies in September coming up against New Zealand. We've got the World Cup coming up as well, which hopefully we can wipe the slate clean and go again. Because, I mean, now we're, that that's all we can do. Like, there's no point dwelling on what's happened because it's the same thing about us, about people saying, well, why don't we look to the golden generation? Well, why don't we look to the 2018 team? Why don't we look back to the Asian Cup team? Well, what's the point? Like, we can't compare. Life's changed. The world's changed. Football's changed. Everything's changed. You know, nothing stays the same from any given year to every given month, every given day. Things change. That's what a World Cup cycle is. It's a cycle, and then it starts again. It's a, they're different for every single one. So, yeah, but to answer your question, Stoll, no, I don't think we should have a stig, the stig as our, as our coach. As much as I think maybe it would be all right to do it for a local team and we could do some sort of reality TV show about that, maybe we could do something like that, but not for the Socceroos. Um, but, yeah, so... And, to, and one last thing, um, this team is more than capable in terms of individual quality too. There's enough there's enough quality in Australia's ranks to do better than what we are now. The, the narrative about us being the worst Australian team is a poor one because you only have to go back. If we want to really go and open up that can of worms about comparing Joey, no, don't want to get involved in this one. But Nick, you mentioned that 2013 team. You mentioned those two friendlies against France and Brazil. That's Ooh, as bad yeah. as we were. We fell out of the top 100 in the world. We were, what, 110th or something in the world at that stage? Like, that's as bad as it got. So, there you go. That, that's that's I, almost the answer there. I, I've collected my thoughts, and I'll say this. Even in the event that this team was the worst Australian side in the past 20 years, it is still talented enough to have done better than what it did. Absolutely. I Australia's players are good enough. Like Australia's players have the talent, and I dislike how it's thrown around so cavalierly how terrible and poor they they are like it's almost sort of become accepted <laughs> so Antonis Pagona says Joey's joker arc begins today yeah, a little bit and it's all because Nick suggested an anonymous Australian national team GM yeah you know just throwing ideas out there hey I put a question out before uh to our mate Philip Rollo to ask uh how New Zealand did just for his take. All whites hard done by. Goal should have stood as it didn't seem clear and obvious error. Costa's red was the right call though. Bring on September. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't really have much more to say on that, but I am liking uh, a lot of the questions and comments coming in. Uh, Edmund, our young Oz soccer is living on a diet of sugar fix. This is just an unexpected one. It's true. He also says, in comparison, why was there kind of more excitement this time than there was in 2017? 2022, <laughs> yes, meme. 2017, no meme. So look, the memes help. Like, you know, I, it, it does feel like everything in the world basically starts off as a meme. And then it just kind of like eventually enough memes happen that it becomes reality. What do I mean by that? Donald Trump. All right. 2012 or whatever. He goes to the White House correspondent dinner. Barack Obama makes all this fun of him. You know, oh, you're so dumb. Oh, da, 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 da. Oh, you, you, all this birtherism thing. How embarrassing. Everyone's laughing at him. Meme, 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 meme. President of the United States. Uh, Elon Musk. Idiot. Da, 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 da. Meme, 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 meme. Dogecoin. Da, da, da buys Twitter, richest guy in the world, takes over the whole thing. Everything seems to start off as a meme these days. And then, ah, that'll never happen. Oh, Redmayne playing for the Socceroos <laughs> under Arnie. What is this? In the FC? Come on, mate. Boom, meme. Welcome. So, you know, be careful what starts off as a meme. Jack Pantelios says, my family is from Rhodes. I appreciate the Colossus name drop, Joey. 
Um, and Totus Pagonis makes a good point about what the English do with olive oil. English just borrows the olive oil, <laughs> refuses to return it, like most things in their museum. Uh, <laughs> we don't use olive oil. We use lard or buff or animal fats. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so keep uh, keep your questions coming in. Um, and Tony Pagano, it makes a good point about my idea of having the, the no identity is how can we be sure our coach has Aussie DNA if we do not know their identity? Yeah. Did someone make the point that Arnie was the first? <laughs> uh, <laughs> did someone make the point that Arnie was the first uh, Australian? Born and raised coach to I, I dislike that qualifier came out here as a kid. Like just like yeah. So Andrew's born in- and you're just as Aussie as like uh, Ante Ante says a lot. Uh, I'm not accusing the person that pointed this out of saying this, but Ante says a lot about talks a lot about how some some Australians are more Australian than others. I dislike any sort of um conversations that would allow that to sort of take root root uh root in the minds of less uh, what's the word that i'm looking for um cultured individuals i guess um people that are looking for an excuse Stephen Paletti makes the point, anonymous Australian coach, I'm on board with this as long as Michael Cole can talk on behalf of the coach. <laughs> and you know, it's annoying. I looked up Stephen Paletti's comments. I was like, Michael Cole, who is that? And then the first thing it just said in brackets wrestling. So we'll not be <laughs> paying any attention to that. Um, and Tonis Pagones, it's a wrestling reference, but for who? Nick, stop. I hate wrestling references. Um, shout out! Why do you keep bringing the comments up? With <laughs> yeah, why do you keep? Why do you give them oxygen? I love, I love, I love comments. I love comments. Uh, <laughs> and also, you know, I'm a big fan of um the TLC matches. So like loving care, <laughs> competing in the TL tender love and care matches that I found out about uh today. Um, Philip, uh, mate, makes a question: Where and when is Socceroos farewell game in Australia? Is that the game against New Zealand? No, that's in September. So there'll be another game, I believe, before that. So they'll have like the usual farewell game they have in Australia beforehand. I hope they did that. They haven't done that since 2010, I don't think. Mm. Um, they against actually against New Zealand. I know a team they can bring out here that actually isn't going to the World Cup that I would really <laughs> love to see play here in Australia. So uh, it's a good get on shout. The phone. It it's would be awesome. Shout. Australia, Italy here. Madonna, but mate, as long as it's in Melbourne. If it's if it's in Sydney, you know. There's a bigger Italian community down here. Is there? No. Is no. there? Yes. Can I, can I cut the conversation yes. short? The Sydney, uh, Sydney Morning Herald's Dominic Bossi has reported that Socceroos supporters will likely only have one chance to watch their team play on home soil before travelling to the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. That will be a home game against New Zealand on September 22. And Nick Stoll is reporting that that's just a way to sell more tickets, act like it's exclusive. This is the last time. How many times have people had a closing down sale? All right. That's the equivalent. All right. This is the last time you're going to see him. This is um, John Farnham's retirement. Well, it won't be the last time. If you if you want to get on a plane, they'll be playing in Eden Park on September 25 as well. Many, this is the many kiss farewell tours that have happened for the past 20 years. So that, 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 will, be the, the, that, that will be the World Cup farewell. And Tonus Pagano bring Italy here and they start Volpato riots. Yes, and hey, 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 he scored this morning. For he who? scored for Italy in yeah, the uh, no, under 19 team. 
Under 19. Under 19 euros. He That's came off the good. bench and scored this morning. I'm, I'm very happy for him. Good goal. Uh, tap, it was a tap-in, but it was a goal. It was the winner. So we'll take it. Okay, tap in, off the bench, under 19s. I'm not hearing a lot I'm of... I'm trying to give the kids some public, some positive press, all right? Okay, like after all of that, come on. Hey guys, if you like this podcast and you like footy, why not join myself, Matt Walsh, Jake Michaels and champion data's Christian Jolly as we break down all things footy with the help of the game's best statisticians. Get the ESPN Footy Podcast wherever you stream your podcasts every Tuesday. Here's a question without nice. notice that, is, that we're basically going to ignore it straight away. And I can see Joey's going to get even angrier as I ask it. But do, do you guys have the restaurant Totti's in um, Melbourne? It's it's big in Sydney. It's all over Instagram. Girls love no. to go there. You don't have Totti's? We don't anyway. have Totti's. We've got Pinos. And there's a, lo- <laughs> there's a lot of this Totti's. Is a, this is a football show. <laughs> this is what I'm asking. Is it named after Francesco Totti or is it just Totti? What, Mate, you're, you're the Sydney side. You, you should know. Write it right in the comments. Hey, I got a question for you that actually uh, is, is, is about football. So, Graham Arnold was on Channel 9 today, Wildwater Sports, uh, Sports Sports Sunday, whatever. Um, and he kind of said his very last answer, which was very interesting that they even brought it up. Was He was basically talking about should they bring the A-League season ahead of schedule? So, we were talking last week that we think the start date is October. Uh, should they bring it ahead of schedule so that the players, you know, can build up their fitness, can can put their hands up for selection? Is this even feasible to do? Also, what about capitalizing from a commercial point of view? It did feel like it would have been good for, you know, Sydney FC, to example, go, Andrew Redmayne's the new hero. Get down to the first uh, Sydney FC game of the season. We play at home on X date. Uh, wear your grey wiggle costume and we'll all do the wiggle dance uh, in the first minute. I was like, like, that would have been cool, right? But there wasn't a, a chance to channel that Socceroos emotion or that positivity to Redmayne to the A-League. Maybe if we had a fixture list. Could Bear in imagine? mind that the A-League fixture, the A-League men's season starting in October is a lot earlier than it was last year. So yeah. it has been shifted. From a logistical standpoint, from a footballing standpoint, um, Graham Arnold's absolutely right that an earlier A-League men's season start date would be best off for um, the Socceroos squad heading into the World Cup in the sense that it gives him more time. Uh, to look at players, potential bolters. It gives uh, the domestically-based players within his Socceroos squad more time to get match fit and prepare for that tournament. Um, That's ignoring the practicalities of just how many bolters exactly will be able to break into this team given the... um, uh, the selection habits of Graham Arnold over the years, one imagines that there are very few, if any, changes that will actually be made to the squad. But in principle, it's a you can see it's a sound footballing decision, um, regardless of you know how effectively effective it would actually be in reality. It'd be, it's very difficult to actually see happening though, just purely from a logistical standpoint. The APL would have spent quite a while planning for a mooted October date, if October was indeed the start date. Um, that involves, you've got to book grounds. Mm. Teams have to, football departments have to put in place periodised pre-seasons. Teams are trying to sign players and figure out, especially for any potential international players, when do we need you in the country? How mm. do we sort out visas, all of that well, sort of stuff? Advertising campaigns. You, you, no, you'd know this, Nick, working in television, that you can't just book an advertising campaign, a six-week advertising campaign for next week just like that. And There's, also, yeah. one thing I'd point out, we're talking about moving it to September. 
footy finals season, both AFL and NRL. You probably, September is actually probably the worst month to launch. So then you're looking at, do you go August? In which case, oof, that's not a very long preseason. No, no, no. I think, I think we've got to start. I think it's going to be looking at that first weekend after the grand finals finish. Um, whether it's, well, obviously the NRL grand final is a week after the AFL grand final, but if you're looking at around about that, that middle of October point, because remember the other thing as well that I, that I'm pretty sure they want to go with last year, but couldn't because of COVID and they probably will do it this year. Don't they want to play the entirety of the Australia cup before the start of the A-League men's season? So I know that's not much of a window because for some teams, it might be one game and done. And for some teams who didn't even make the pl- didn't even, who got knocked out in the playoffs, Western Sydney and Perth Glory, I don't know how many of the players are actually going to push for selection, but they're not playing in the Australia Cup at all. So, I mean, yeah, it is it is an interesting one. Look, I I, I don't think you can change it now. It's too short notice, especially because everything would be in place now. And because especially for the Sydney teams, you talk about ground availability. So, mm-hmm. I mean, is the Sydney Football Stadium going to be ready by September? I, I, I'm not sure when the first event is, but if it is, maybe. But then again, though, you have to think, well, the NRL probably got, you know, been told, hey, we can use these grounds up until this state here. Like we've got the, at least that tentatively booked for finals. And if the A-League is going to start in, there might be a bit of, you know, scuttlebutt in terms of working out ground availability for, especially even here for Amy Park, because, you know, Melbourne Storm, every chance that they might be in the, you know, deep into the finals, and that's going to create some some chaos of its own. So, yeah, so, it, it will be interesting. I, I think they just stick with the October date. As much as it would be better to see them play more games, I think it's just going to come down to, as bad as it sounds, just playing as many preseason friendlies in front of, you know, in front of people. Because yeah. we've talked about preseason friendlies, a lot of them recently because of COVID, but even before that, have been shut off to the public. I think it's time we get them open. You know, like get eyes on them. If they're playing NPL teams, I think it'd be a good thing to, you know, get those open, get them streamed. It's minutes. I know it's against semi-professional sides, but I mean, how else are these players going to get their fitness up? You know, training can only do so much. If you put them in match practice, you know, I know for the victory players, I think they start preseason next week or the week after because they've got the Manchester United game in about four weeks' time. But, you know, that's one game. And then it's, Mm. okay, now we wait for the Australia Cup. But if you're getting those friendlies in against it, whether it's other A-League teams whether it's against the top tier NPL teams here who, you know, can afford to maybe if that's how they go out of finals or their season comes to an end, uh, they can afford to maybe, you know, play a few games. I think it's something you've got to look at because it'd be good for them. And it's, you know, certainly get some more minutes in the legs heading into it because we can't really do much else right now. As much as Arnie says, he's going to talk to James Johnson, he's going to talk to Danny Townsend. I don't think one conversation is going to be enough to change an entire fixture, you know, and, and just say, yep, we'll start three weeks earlier because there's so many other factors that go into it. I mean, Arnie's been talking about the need for relegation for quite a while, which we're big fans of here on the show. You know, people say we don't like Arnie. We love Graham Arnold's stance on promotion and relegation. However, let's see how well that conversation with the APL goes about the need for relegation. So they should, like, conversations can do a lot. But, like, you talk about, like, preseason friendlies might be good for getting minutes into the legs of players that will be going to the World Cup. It's not going to playing against NPL sides or even just preseason hitouts against other A-League men's sides isn't going to get a bubble player into the squad. It's going to lead to a situation, increasingly just thinking about it, it's going to be a situation wherein if you are an A-League men player on the bubble of that World World Cup squad already facing an uphill battle 
to try to get into the Socceroos team and you do desperately want to play at this World Cup, you'd be advocating for an overseas move as much as you possibly could. Mm. You'd be advocating to get to a league which starts earlier, starts playing competitive football for at least a few months before the World Cup so that you can at least begin to press your case. I mean, look, Kai Rolls would probably be a bubble player um, within a fully fit Socceroos side, but he's going to Scotland now. He's going to be playing um, for Hearts. Same thing with somebody like, well, I think Nate Atkinson's pretty established now. Him and Fran Karacic is the two right backs, but he's going to be playing, you know, in the Scottish League, regular football, competitive football for months before the World Cup. Meanwhile, you know, the hypothetical centre back who's stuck in the A League doesn't get that advantage. So if you are, a, if you are maybe somebody like a Marco Tilio, who has already faced significant problems in playing regular minutes with Melbourne City, and you do harbour deep-seated desires to go to the Qatar World Cup, this sure, it, like this, surely now has to be playing through your mind about. I have to get an overseas move. Is it a loan? Is it a permanent deal? Do I just move somewhere within the CFG group and get to one of these other European-based clubs in the CFG stable on loan? Something like that. If you're maybe somebody on the bubble that didn't break through, somebody like Lockie Wales coming off a, an A-League, A-League Men Championship and just missed out on the Socceroos, we've been told this time around, do you start try, trying to strike whilst the iron is hot? and move overseas. So that, like somebody like a Jason Davidson, who finally made the breakthrough, finally returned to the Socceroos, but didn't perform at his best in the friendly against Jordan. And now seemingly you know that I can't rely on my performance in the last window to keep me in the squad for the World Cup. Do you start advocating for a move away from victory to a foreign league to try to press that case and remind Arnie of why he picked you um, when coming back. So that's what this early season date's really going to crystallise over the next few months. Not so much who's coming into the A-League, but who's leaving and for why. Well, um, Jason Davidson, I think, still hasn't signed a new deal at Melbourne Victory, unless it just hasn't been announced yet. But his contract expires in a week and a half. Uh, so I'm not too sure exactly what his plans are, but I wouldn't be surprised if that would be would have played on his mind. There's, you know, a couple others that might look for a loan move elsewhere, but it's going to be tough for them. It's going to be really, really tough for those players on the fringes. As I, as, I, as we said last week, I think the only two A-League men's players um, at this point that, because I don't think the squad's going to change too much, that with only playing a month of football will be there, won't have to say make that move, I think, that are locked in, uh, Matthew Leckie and Jamie McLaren. I think if Craig Goodwin, maybe Craig Goodwin, if he stays at Adelaide United, the others, I think that, you know, there's a bit of work to be done. I think as much as Nick Dagas, I think Nick Dagasino as well is in a little bit of trouble because, you know, I'm not sure if he'd be looking to make a move after a really good season at Melbourne Victory, might be able to establish himself for a full season as their number one striker as he was in and out a bit with Marjota at the early stages. So it's, it's going to be tough for him. It's going to be tough for a lot of those guys. So we shall see what happens. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what sort of moves happen because, you know, we might have a surprise move in, in the wake and maybe someone just makes the makes the move anyway, goes overseas and really puts themselves ahead because they get that extra two months, uh, you know, playing competitive football. Um, 
how good are our comments is, by the way? Jack Pantelios says, spoke to a United player, he's talking about Adelaide United player today, and asked him that question about the season. He said, for now, all they know is October. So, look, it, it seems unlikely. And you were asking me about, like, what's going to be the first event uh, at the new Sydney football stadium. They've got a rugby league game between the Roosters and the Rabbitohs on September 2nd. Uh, then they've got a um, rugby union game. And then the Matildas are, in fact, playing their uh, September right. 6th. So, I think it's all basically booked out with finals. So, I think it would be impossible for Sydney FC to move there, then they'd have to play their first games all away from home and they don't want to do that with the new season. So it's unlikely. But uh, one player that would be interesting to see, you know, is he a guarantee for sure? And I think we saw something in the paper about this, but Bill Gibbons asked, read that Tom Rogic to play in Indonesia. Is this true? And is this a good move for him? None of us, I think, know where Tom Rogic is going to play next season. Do we know anything about this Indonesia thing? Scottish press is is reporting... Um, that he's um, been offered a lucrative deal to play with um, Parasija Jakarta and uh, former Borussia Dortmund and Hamburg boss Thomas Doll. Look, I mean, it's probably not a great move for his career. Maybe it's good for, you know, his economic situation. But I would think he still probably can make the Socceroos squad even if he's playing in Indonesia. I think he has been that good for the Socceroos you know, you think it, it depends upon it, it. It it might just come down to the locker room dynamics. It depends upon you know what were the dynamics of him, um, you know, him withdrawing from that squad with personal reasons. It's mm-hmm. there's been reporting today that in that would seemingly uh, indicate that Graham Arnold still doesn't know why he pulled out beyond personal reasons. One needs to take into account does. Um, do, does, do the dynamics of that locker room and um, does that come into it, even if he's playing football now, coming out of this? That's something to keep an eye on. Which actually, I mean, I sympathise a little bit with Arnie there. I feel like, yeah, look, you can say personal reasons and maybe you don't want to talk about it in the moment, but he needs to have some detail. He needs to have some, under- you don't have to go into full detail, but some understanding about, you know, why he just wasn't there. Uh, it does no. seem Tom Rogic doesn't. It seems like like I, I'm. I I don't want to question the personal reasons, but yeah, yeah it is going to. You just you have to acknowledge just but, from a reality perspective. Yeah, it's okay. going to be something that's working against him if it's just completely. In this the happens dark. in workplaces all the time. Yeah, where someone goes to their boss and says, "Hey, I need to you know take next two weeks off or something personal reasons," and they'll explain it, and the boss will say, "Look." Uh, you know, Nick's going to be away for this next two weeks. He's got personal reasons. No one needs to ask about it, but he's told me and it's acceptable and it's understandable why he's going to be missing. That's like usually how these things happen. Not, he just said personal reasons. He wouldn't go into any detail whatsoever. And, and you also have to take in mind that unlike that, nobody, he doesn't have a contract with Socceroos. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, this yeah. isn't like a matter of he, he's not taking leave from yeah, the that's... job. It's, it's like you get called up to the Socceroos. It's not like he's regular gig. Yeah. Um, Toros says, show's been going an hour. What's the odd of a three-hour show? No, no chance of a three-hour show tonight. Uh, you no. can see Joey's going to fall asleep. Uh, Pakua from Prong is going to join us in a second to talk the Matildas. But I really quickly uh, just wanted to draw people's attention um, to this fundraiser. Uh, we talked last week about our friend Daniel, uh, run the memes. Um, you can donate to this GoFundMe um 
if you just search it or someone can put in the comments. Um, but please go donate to that. Um, I think that would really help him out. Um, Daniel has himself shared it on his Run the Memes uh, Twitter account, so you can also go to that uh, and get the link there. So, you know, just once again, wanted to say we're thinking of uh, Daniel. And uh, if you want, you can donate uh, there, and I'm sure he would really appreciate it, as we really appreciate him. All right, let's talk uh, Matilda's. Um, and let's get Pakua from Pong on. Pakua, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. It's been a while. It's been a minute. Um, I'm excited to be on. You know, I feel like I've been waiting, you know, 90th minute sub. I score the winner. I feel like I'm ready, guys. I'm ready to do you feel? Do you feel like you're Andrew Redmayne? <laughs> yeah, I feel like Andrew Redmayne. I, I, it might be because I just watched Top Gun and I'm feeling very pumped up at the moment. Ooh. But Was it I'm good? Ready. I'm ready. It was sensational. It was good. I oh, cried. It was beautiful. Boy. I oh, need yeah. to go see it ASAP. Do you, do you, you need to see you the should. first one to have seen this one? Um, Apparently, it would. It would help if you haven't seen it. I feel like what have you been doing with your life though? Like it's hey. gone. <laughs> you know what like, I watched on. the other night for the first time ever? Casablanca, the movie from like Great the forties. Yeah, actually, I decent. I'll actually, be honestly, you, Nick. Hey. I watched that when I was twelve, so I feel like you've you know also waited a long time to watch that movie. That's okay. Hang on. Stole, have you seen Top Gun? No. The first one? No. So hang on. Hang on. You haven't watched Top Gun, but you sat no. through all of Casablanca. Yeah, because you know why? It was on the plane to Vietnam. Was it? Oh, <laughs> it was one of the options. Okay. No, but actually, it was one of those movies where you're like, yeah, great, great film. film. And also one of those things where you're like, ah, oh, this explains like 25 references in The Simpsons. Yeah. And all like so many references from pop culture. I'm like, oh, that's what they were talking about. So imagine, when, the, imagine now when you watch like three episodes of Raw and like watch a bit of wrestling and you will be like, you know, dropping your own wrestling references in here. Like that will be someone, someone at Debano's place. Uh, put thirty seconds on the microwave and get him <laughs> off my stream. All right, all these wrestling references. Hey, uh, Pakua, tell us. Oh, <laughs> Debano is gone. <laughs> Brutal. So, uh, Pakua, tell us about what's happening with the Matildas. A lot of focus has been on uh, the Socceroos recently, but the Matildas will come back into focus. Obviously, games coming up against Spain, Portugal. Um, the squad was released last week, but I feel like. It probably went under the radar a bit because there was so much going on with the, the, the well, soccerees. So, well, you read my article, didn't you, Nick? I read every one of your articles, Joey, and they're all <laughs> fantastic. And you can check it out uh, right here, Joey's cheap plugs. Uh, it was on ESPN or maybe off the sport, or maybe yeah, I just read it. it was good. <laughs> it, 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 Nick Stoll. They, there, there were multiple Ooh. Matilda's yarns Ooh. out for me in the past few weeks. I read the ESPN right. one, Joey. It was very nice. It was nice. But... Which ESPN one? There, was, there are multiple. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> one about the Matilda squad, Joey. Ah. I read the first one. There were multiple up. ones about the Matilda squad. Sorry, man. Um, Joey's become a villain tonight. We don't know. Pakula. He has. He genuinely has. Bring some, bring some warmth. Ah, what was? What did the Peruvians <laughs> say last week? The Peruvians said, uh, what was it? Warm, warm. Uh, th thanks thanks and success thanks and success that was that's how we're going to sign off from the show but there was the other one which was uh i think it was like warm greetings so cool warm greetings to you um but uh, tell us give us some give us some warm thoughts about the materials well, the entire squad is looking very different it's uh got the likes of um kenzie Haw hawksby in the squad taylor Ray. it's a weird squad though like i didn't expect it we've got a lot of the senior players out which makes sense obviously with the European season just finishing up, but it 
thinking back to Tony Gustafsson's last press conference heading into like this, these rounds of like international fixtures, I was a little bit surprised to see a really big change because he essentially said there weren't going to be many changes. I kind of really solidified who my squad is going to be. So by seeing the likes of Hawksby, who I'm really excited to see, you know, I thought she had a really great season with Sydney this year. I'm excited, but also a lot of these players probably won't stay in the squad as we head into the more series friendlies down the road. We're kind of setting ourselves up to maybe potentially probably lose the next two games. You know, good fun, whatever, but it's really more of an opportunity to see a lot of these players impress and see if they can find their way into the kind of Fort Knox of the Matilda squad is really difficult to really make an entry into it. I'm excited to see how they play, but I don't really have high expectations with such a high squad turnover against particularly Spain, who I think we're going to lose to quite comfortably. Is there any like players that you think are really like best poised to make that breakthrough into the Fort Knox Matilda squad, as you say? <laughs> I don't particularly think so. Because looking at it, it's just a lot of fringe players who are getting their first call-ups or just, you know, one, like, less than five appearances they've really made. I want to see how Claire Wheeler plays. And, I, Joey, I'm not quite sure, is Chidiak going to play with after getting subbed off? Is that confirmed? Chidiak has a broken nose. So okay. the question will be... Obviously, she can mask up um, one of those phantom of the opera <laughs> jobs and play. Um, however, she compared herself to LeBron on her Instagram. She like she it. put the LeBron. I loved it. I was I was like, this is what we want to see. Sorry, Joey. No, so yeah, yeah. So Chidiak, yeah, potentially. I mean, on your point, because I think I think there are some players in this squad that can be pressing their cases for. Um, great to breaking into that squad but I think they were generally the players that were already doing that and this is just maybe a better chance to do that I think you touched on Chidiak is one of them obviously this show massive fans of Chidiak but we have to remember that her games against New Zealand represented like the first time she got like a proper go at it with this side even then she didn't actually play that much in those New Zealand friendly so this ostensibly represented a major opportunity for her to press her case. The other one, and we've got a comment about her as well, is Angie Beard. Um, and I particularly think Angie Beard, this is a big series for Angie Beard, because yes, we've got the rotations, but Ellie Carpenter has done her ACL and he's going to be out for uh, one would imagine around 12 months. Basically, if Ellie Carpenter gets back for any friendlies or warm-up matches prior to the Women's World Cup, it's going to be a minor miracle. Oh, Do you think she would be selected with, like, if she was fit from the World Cup? Like, you don't get any kind of Ellie Carpenter. Ellie yeah. Carpenter will a thousand percent be playing at the Women's World Cup if she is, if she can play more than like, if, if she, she is, if she is at fi- if she is at fi- yeah, if she can physically get on the park, she yeah. will be. They took Elise Keller Knight to the Olympics and as a member of the squad, and Elise Keller Knight still hasn't played a game of football since then. Like, so they have demonstrated that they will bring important members of their squad, people they see as important members of their squad to tournaments as squad members, even if they aren't fully fit. So I have no doubt Ellie Carpenter will be a part of the Matilda squad at the Women's World Cup. 
it's her fitness and form. But I think somebody like Angie Beard, personally, I think Angie Beard should already be a regular part of these sides. But now I think it's a huge opportunity for her because asking the question um, of Gustafsson in his squad announcement press conference, how he replaces Ellie Carpenter, well, we have to make clear that you don't replace Ellie Carpenter. You just kind of try to fill in the hole that she leaves as best you can. She has a unique skill set. She is one of the best players in the world. You don't just you don't have a few of those in the pantry that you can just go and fetch. She's gone. It's just about damage mitigation now. But he was talking about um, in that um, answer uh, how we might now we we might look in this series do we play a back four do we play a back five do we play a back three and then ha- who fills in for Ellie in all of those different looks and I think it's big for Angie Beard in the sense that she has been doing that um at club lanes like when she moved across and throughout this season she has been playing as a center back she has been playing as a wing back um, she has previous experiences playing further up the pitch um, on a wing. So all of those experiences in Denmark should give her these opportunities to feature in whatever look is put forth by Gustafsson um, in these games. So I think it is a big uh, series for her as well. Angie Bin, those assuming Chids actually plays, I think it's a big series for them. Pakua, I wanted to ask about kind of Spain and Portugal. You know, what do we know yeah. about them? What what is the, kind of the squads that they're bringing in? Um, you know, I mean, I'm a big kind of name recognition index. Uh, you know, I see Spain and I go, oh, you a lot of players from Barca in that team. You know, Barca's an amazing team. So is it like, is it full strength? Are we expected are we expected to lose, 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 not done, not done, not done? Well, what's, what's kind of the vibe? I... I believe the squads are going to be essentially their f- full strength. I haven't like quite looked at them, but because we are heading into the Euros in a few weeks, if I, yeah, I'm getting my dates correct. So I think it, it, it's going to be quite difficult for the Matildas, particularly as it is a really weak, like really weak squad relative to what we usually have. And with that, I just want to go back to like the Angie Beard point. Mm-hmm. Like, this is why I'm just a little bit cautious. Like, I think she, you know, she can play really well. She's a fantastic player. But having to play against the likes of Spain, who are going to be full strength, this side is going to be really exposed. And the Matildas don't play great football as it is. So I think it's going to be relative, like, really difficult for her to show her how good she can be in the Matildas setup without the full support of, like, a full strength midfield to protect her and a back like a back line that's actually, you know, going to know exactly where they should be because they haven't had built those, you know, dynamics in like past, you know, past playing experiences. So she's a fantastic player, but if she was playing with the typical full strength squad, I think it's a more a better chance of her to shine and be really solidify herself in the squad, which I think she should be in the squad anyway. But, you know, with the facing Portugal and Spain who are going to be full strength, really preparing themselves to go far in that tournament, you know, I think it's going to be a difficult chance, difficult for the Matildas to get a result in that in those matchups. Picking up from one thing you said there, Bakura, I mean, I agree with you about the Matildas form, but I, 
I think that we about them, you know, maybe traditionally not playing as well as they could, but I think there is a foundation to build upon there from the New Zealand games. Those New Zealand games probably represented the most, some of the best performances we've seen from this side. I mean, I couldn't understand during the games, people were losing their mind over the result. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there like, are you actually watching them play though? Because they look really well played. That Well, they look a lot better playing than they have in a lot. So I think there is a foundation there that can be built upon. We've seen what this, I mean, obviously, you know, it, hashtag TNC areas, but like when Gorry's in there, we've seen what this, how this team can function either in that first game against New Zealand, how she was just dictating terms or in the second game when they collapse onto Gorry, so she can't dictate turns, but that opens things up for everybody else. So there is a foundation to build upon. Do I think there'll be that many bricks laid on it against Spain and the Portuguese? No. I mean, and I think Gustafsson knows as much as well. Like He kept talking about this press conference about managing expectations. The, the public needs to, you know, go into this game with realistic expectations of what, a team filled with players from NPL New South Wales, NPL Queensland's, NPL South Australia, and even the foreign-based players like Jacinta Gladbaracici playing Scottish, the Scottish League. I know she's getting a lot of social media, but the Scottish League's quality isn't very high compared to a lot of the other European leagues. So we'll need to be managing of expectations there. I think what from my impressions of what Gustafsson said, he's looking for moments. He's looking for periods of the games where he can see that his side are at least attempting to do the right thing. And they are putting together these little blocks because, I mean, I'll just say it right now. Australia are going to lose to Spain. I don't think anybody's, you know, I don't think anybody will take issue with that, especially this Matilda squad. It's about the manner in which they lose. It's about the manner of how they perform. It's about what they, what the players are able to do in certain subjects, uh, subsections of the game. So I think even in the event that they look and lose, if when we take everything into consideration, we take the talent levels, we take from where players have come from um, and all of that sort of stuff, you can take positives even from a loss in this game against Spain. I wouldn't be writing off the Portuguese game. I mean, the Portuguese side will also be a bit difficult task, but the only reason they're in the Euros is because Russia got kicked out. They didn't actually qualify for the Euros. So they're not at the same tier level as the Spanish. Um, but it's one of those things. They could shithouse a win, but play terribly. And then is that really a building block considering how many players are going to come back into this squad and they're not going to play like that? They could lose, but they could play well and it could be really positive signs. Or they could lose playing absolutely terribly and everything's gone backwards. And I think that's got to be the other side of the, thing, other side of the equation as well. Tony Gustafsson can talk about managing expectations all he likes, but we can adjust our expectations and they can still fail to meet those adjusted expectations. This isn't a free hit. If they come out and they are they are set up terribly and play terribly and they have no idea what they're doing. That's not good either. You know, just having an understrength squad isn't an excuse for that. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm not I'm not fussed about the result. I just want to yeah. see how they play. Dubano, did you want to jump in? No, no, I want to throw a question to Joe and Pakur about this. I mean, Joe, you mentioned Jacinta uh, Galabardachichi. Uh, Darachachi. Galabardachichi. Okay. Um, 
what scope do you think that she has in terms of breaking into this squad more permanently once, I guess, everyone's available? Once we're talking full strength, we're talking heading into the Women's World Cup, what sort of chances do you think she has? Because she's gained a lot of traction, like, you know, social media-wise and the way that she's performed overseas. Can you see her being in, say, the best team, quote-unquote, if, say, she puts in some decent showings in these games? Or is it will it... Will these two games, say, be enough or will it be come down to more club form as well? Even if, say, the Scottish tier or the Scottish uh, standard of women's football is not as great as, say, some of the other leagues in Europe. I'll let Pakua go first. Uh, for me, I don't think so, especially with our, like, attacking options. I think the attacking options is probably the most, like, set up. I don't really see much change in that if she was, like plays a, a deeper role in the midfield, I think maybe she would have a better chance of getting in the squad, but I don't see her particularly breaking into it. I think she's a fringe player. She, you know, she has really quality moments, but for me, I don't see how she would make it into the Matilda squad for next what, season. Yeah. What type of player is she for people who haven't seen her or maybe all they know about her is that she was Celtics player of the season? Like, what, what, How would you guys describe her? Joy, you go. Okay, I wouldn't describe her as well. I, 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 I'll incorporate answer into this is what I was going to build on from Pakua's. I think her path into the Matildas depends upon. I, it's going to be very difficult for her. I'm going. To, I'm. I'm in, in agreement with Pakua that the path into that Matilda side, especially up front, is an incredibly difficult one. You've got um, Kerr, Ford, Rasso. Um, Gielnik in there as well. I mean, uh, Mary Fowler. I mean, there, I'm, I've just named five players that are all ostensibly going to in that first choice squad. And then, but then it comes down to another one of the answers that Gustafsson gave in his press conference. He talked about bringing in strikers um, with different skill sets into this Matilda squad. So obviously, Gielnik is there. She's like, the most recognised attacker that has remained in the squad. And she's a physical presence. She's strong. She, she, PNP. Um, but pace, so that's pace one and power. Pace any, and uh... power archetype. <laughs> um, they're also bringing in, but they've also brought in um, other players like Remy Simpson's in there. Um, Larissa Crummer is in there as well, making her return for, uh, after more than four years. And they've also got Jacinta in here. So they've got a whole bunch of different archetypes um, in there. So it might not come... So somebody like uh, Jacinta's path into that squad, somebody like Crummer's path into that squad, because um, somebody like Courtney Vine's path into that squad um, could ultimately come down to less how... They'll have to be playing well, one would hope, but it also might just come down to going into these major games. Is there a certain archetype that Gustafsson identifies that his squad is lacking in? And are they the best in that archetype? If so, like if Gustafsson figures out, well, I'm good on the battering ram front, that's ostensibly not good news for Gelnick, even if she's playing better than some of these other attackers but it's good news conversely for them. So that's what I think about that. That I think is the pathway um, into that. And we'll see in these games, what I think is going to be big for her as well as Kramer and a series of other players named in this is that she's also been named in that AFF championship team. 
that will be playing under Mel Andrietta um, in early July. Um, I think it is here in Southeast Asia. That could be big. If she goes in, she impresses Gustafsson in camp. And no, if she, if any of the players that are pulling double duty in that go in, um, impress in this camp and then go to the AFF championships and impress in that, I think that will be a real boost um, for their chances of remaining in this squad moving forward. Um, Tor- Torres is asking. Just, I think you uh, cut off Bakua there quickly, Nick. No, oh, sorry, I, I, was, my, I was just like, had a question for you, Joey, in terms of someone like Molina Ayres, like getting just, you know, just just vibes. I, 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 like I see lots of players getting You're in. Hey, get Joey, I'm just asking. You're going to get me in what trouble. How am I going to get in trouble, Joey? <laughs> I think Molina Ayres should have been looking at how this, looking at this, who is in this squad. I think Molina Ayres should be in the squad. That was, you know, that was just the my question because, like, I was looking when I saw the names on the list. I was like, okay, like I get that she, like, kind of recently came back from injury, but when she did come back for victory, she was like ready and she was playing really great football and she's playing well, you know, overseas at the moment. So I'm just, I was a little curious, you know, seeing like the likes of Crummer get in the in the side and not Malene Ayers. From what I've heard, they've been hoping to bring Cromer in for quite a while. So um, obviously it's been a long and arduous journey for Cromer. So I imagine that's been targeted for quite a while and now they're bringing her in. I would agree with you that I would, given that there is this squad, there is also the AFF squad. I'm not aware of the details. Perhaps she was offered a space and turned it down. Um, for well, I don't see that happening, especially for the Matilda squad, maybe the AFF. I don't know. Um, who knows? Maybe she's nursing a knock in Iceland that really just hasn't gotten out. But yeah, Malik, looking at this squad, I think somebody like Melina Rez, um, would have it would have been great, assuming that she is fit, she was available. Um, always have to add those disclaimers. It would have been great to see Molina Reyes in this squad just to see what she could do at that level because, I don't know, it, it never. It sort of like feels like Molina Reyes has always sort of existed in the periphery of all of these discussions. And, I mean, she's obviously the type of striker that she is. She's not supplanting Sam Kerr in this side. But, yeah, I've always thought that Molina Reyes was maybe one of those players for the generation change that comes maybe after Paris. Um, the Olympics, you can maybe see a whole bunch of players sort of holding on to, for the Home World Cup and then Paris 2024 and Olympics without COVID. Sort of, and, but then you can see maybe players moving on after that. I thought she'd be uh, a player for entering her prime years um, for that generational change. But yeah, given the squad that has been assembled, I would have liked to see Melina Reyes in the team. Um, Edmund Al Young uh, talking about Jacinta. She's a TNT player, so I think he means technical, technical and tactical. Technical, technical and tactical. tactical. So we've got PMP oh. and we've got TNTs. And the PMPs the and the TNTs. And then sometimes depending depending on their NRI is is also impacts, you know, how much of a PMP or a TNT they are. So anyway. I feel um, like you guys should come up with a book because, you know, like Phil Dunphy, you know, comes out with this book. I really feel like there are terms you guys come up with that I just, I'm, I'm very confused. You know I mean, what we it, should do? G- genuinely, sorry, Joey. See, I've got this little uh, thing at the bottom here, like the little, the ticker. what's it called? The, the ticker, yeah, the ticker. Yeah. We should have that goes on the bottom, a little key. 
and it should have like NRI name recognition index, uh, PNP, pace and power, TNT, technical and technical, and just have all of our things going along so people can play along at home and don't feel like they're being left out. Well, that's true, but sometimes I feel. I feel like I'm being left out because Stephen Paletti said, Nick, I'll offer to teach you about all these wrestling references because contrary to what Enzo Amori said, you can teach that. I don't know Enzo Amori. Did he play for Roma? Like, who is Enzo Amori? <laughs> Did he score with Volpato this morning? Um, uh, there's also this comment coming in from Alnaldo Algenion. Kai Soto can I think he's on the wrong like Kings I think he's, Magic. I think he thinks this is an NBA podcast because he's – uh, in the pool to get drafted this week. So. All right. Well, I think congratulations. He's draft. Congratulations to Kai. Uh, you know, I, I hope from those teams, Knicks, you want to go to the Knicks. You don't want to go to the Sacramento Kings. They're you don't want to go losers. to the Orlando Magic. Hey, you don't want to go to Orlando. <laughs> Knicks all the way. Knicks all the way. Knicks, Knicks are going to, one, one, look, one time the Knicks are going to be good. And don't yeah. you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be a part of the redemption uh, when they finally get Jim, the Knicks were like, Decent last season hey, and like yeah, the buzz ready. Hey, it was so much Knicks, fun. But then you start Trae you Young keep with this you keep with this slander of the Knicks, and I'm gonna have my pipe bomb, you know, intro here. I'm just gonna, Pakua, I'm gonna lay it out. Pakua, you have given me so much smack about Miami for weeks now. Okay. All right. Are you sure this isn't a basketball pod? Because you're Honestly, certainly turning it, it into one. <laughs> but I'm just saying, me and Debano should support the Knicks because we're Knicks. That's actually why I like them. So, um, hey, uh, that was really cool. We're, now I want to focus on um, the people's questions. This is the people's show. We're going to wrap up. And Joey kind of looks like, look, don't take this personally, Joey. Look like you're fading a little bit. There's a little bit of a lack of energy from you. Just, just. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Do you guys remember the old, like, I think that was the Sultana, Sultana brand ads, and it was the kid that didn't go to school and eat breakfast, and he, like, deflated in his chair when he went to school? That was, like, the the, pro, like, the staple of cheese TV back in the day, and I feel like Joey is, like, that kid right now. Nick, why he looks you, like Nick, he's... Why... Nick, I don't know. Why does Joey look TV? like he's about to kill somebody? <laughs> Nick, I don't um, know why you're do... saying cheese TV. Why are you acting like you... You're, that you're that's your age range. You're a toaster TV guy. Let's get it correct. No, yeah? it's no. I was say, say the correct age reference. Come on, oh. you're a toaster TV guy. Don't make yourself that old. Come on, it was, don't do it. Hey, I was oh, born in the nineties. So all right, no, no um, you Nick, toaster, come on. TV, toaster TV youngster. You cheese. Come on, Nick. Nick toaster, toaster TV, TV like... started when I was like eight, and I started watching cheese Nick. TV before that. So no, no, no. Mm. You're a liar, Nick. You're a liar. How do you know about my childhood, Bakur? Nick, come on. You're only a few years older than me. Why are you acting like this? Come on. I'm gonna get the Google. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Akua, are you are you jealous that you weren't part of the Cheese TV generation? Nah, Toaster TV all the way. We were but, but, elite. Okay, elite. We, let, look, we should get back to football at some point. Though <laughs> we've gone from NBA to cartoons in the morning. Direct. Um, direct as much message. as I enjoy seeing Pakua cyberbully uh, Nick Nabano, we should um we should direct talk message. Football. On YouTube says this show sums up the DNA of Australian football shows. Talking about basketball, uh, Joey, Joey has been—he he was removed from the stream, I think, by Nick Devana. Um, <laughs> hey, I want to answer some questions that we got uh, on Twitter as well because you can get in contact with us on Twitter, on Facebook, on blah blah, blah everywhere. Um, so let's just have a look at these. Ben Smith, friend of the pod, been on the pod. Uh, the role social media played in response to the World Cup this time around shouldn't be discounted in terms of the hype. We got Tony Armstrong's awesome reaction, and Jesus, did that go everywhere? Like he just oh, went a Logan. Did he? 
Did he? he just won a Logie, yeah. I'm not. I just saw a photo of him uh, holding a Logie, so he oh, won nice. something. Yeah, that's what happens. You get on the football bandwagon, and suddenly the awards start coming. Um, we got Tony's awesome uh, reaction at Redmayne's old high school uh, recanting his feats. I, I think it does help. What, what do you guys think? Do you think social media plays a part? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's that's how it is. They stay with the, the new generation, social media, but- and I mean. Hundred percent. It it, it like would have gone viral. Very football seems like it's more of an online sport, at least in Australia, than yeah. other sports. Like, no, it seems absolutely. like we really push it into uh... who. It, it, it all honestly stole. If there was no social media, who sees Tony Armstrong's reaction? Like, who, how many yeah. people were actually watching um, ABC? Hundred thousand. My something? mother. But, she's an ABC. She loves ABC yeah, but, News. But, come on. Okay. Come okay. On. Okay. She maybe. Loves, maybe. Right? Maybe. Okay, the younger, like the younger demographic, like the younger demographic, like our mums. Like, that's the, it. Or Joey would say, "Man, <laughs> that's it." All right, <laughs> Vincenzo Hot Dog, love the pod, guys. Always a great way to start any question because I'm guaranteed to read it out. Love the pod, guys. What are your thoughts on increasing match minutes for all age levels in Australia to max two three month off season and minimum thirty four plus games? The winter summer sports model is outdated, and big changes needed for us to match global best practice. Um. Look, that seems like a pretty intense. That's probably part of the national curriculum. Um, um, increase match minutes for all ages. Look, the kids kids are playing a lot this, of matches. Is this Arnie's alt? Because he said the same thing to me like two years ago. Well, what do you what did you think about it then? What do you think about it now? I'm going to have to ask that we revisit this on another podcast. Yeah. Can we leave it for next week? No worries. No worries. Keep scrolling. Uh, as a wrestling reference, uh, Edmund Al Young, should we cap Volpato? <laughs> just just a classic. Um, oh, Antonis Pagonis, a bit of a conspiracy theory. Uh, he's asking uh, Pakua, were you, did you, were you abducted by aliens? Because you haven't been on the show for a while. Did you um, see Bizanich? Wasn't I? I wasn't abducted by aliens, um, and I, if if I had, I don't think I would have seen him. Up, I would have seen him. Um, I think there's would, like maybe different levels, like of alien, like when they cap they capture you. I don't think we would have been in the same like category. Okay. I don't think I would have seen him. Also asks, uh, did he cyberbully the aliens into letting them both go? Which is possible because you've kind of both appeared at the same time. So maybe you just don't want to maybe, reveal your yeah. secrets. Yeah. I feel like I feel like the aliens would eventually be like, man, Pakua's rough. Like, let's, you know, I, I think we gotta truth. let it go. Truth, guys. Yeah, that's good. Um, Stephen Paletti uh, asks, what teams uh, do I need to cross off my list next time I come to Victoria during MPL season? You guys all commentate MPL games. Uh, anyone in particular that you need to cross off? One hundred percent. You need to experience the fo- the frozen tundra that is the Veneto Club on a Monday night. You haven't lived until you've gone through that. Who plays at the Veneto Club? Bouline, FC Bouline Lions. Yes. Former uh, yeah. team of Matt Leckie. Matt Leckie, Marco Bresciano. Oh. Uh, there's someone else I'm forgetting. Roddy Vargas, Simon Colosimo spent time there in 2018 uh, when they got signed. There's like, you know, break class of emergency. We're about to get relegated. We need help. Um, other than that, Preston. Preston uh, Lions seems yeah, like. Yeah, pre- Preston, Preston, Preston on a Friday night, I think would be the best kind of atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, it's, it would be on a, on a Friday night. It's great stuff. Sorry, say again, Pakua. Uh, the Oakley Cannons on a Friday night. Sensation. Okay. It's right. nice. Yeah. Nice suit. Yeah. Jack Edwards Reserve. It would be, in terms of like, it would be Knight Stadium is obviously one that most should look at given the history associated 
um, with the ground. You can sit in Mark Viduka's stand. You can. You can sit in the Mark Viduka stand. Obviously, Stephen has already visited Olympic Village, um, so it is another historic one. Lakeside, not quite dripping with the same history as Middle Park, but still the old Bob Jones Stadium certainly has been a site of some events over the years. And then, obviously, uh, BT Connor with Preston, uh, George Andrews Reserve with the Thunder. They get decent mm. crowds in. Fun night um, in the Melbourne Southeast, the Dandy Thunder. Uh, Frank Hollihan Soccer Complex. Um, Hyduk. Yeah, with Dandy okay. City. You're giving he's him a... quite a list, you know. He's not this, not there. For, oh, I'm just uh, trying months. to, you know what? But there's so many, there's so many good grounds to go to. So, look, I mean, I went to Belmore Sports Ground this afternoon to watch Sydney Olympic lose in the last minute to Marconi. The last minute, my I goodness. will say, uh, this is going to be a bit of a controversial one. But if you yeah. want to have good, good, good food at the football, and again, yeah. this is probably my, my inner Italian coming out here. Oh. Avenger Park on a Saturday afternoon have the best sausage, potato, and pepper sandwiches, and they are who, sensational. Who plays there? Avondale. So, yeah. So you go there, you get yourself a nice a nice roll. The Nodnos will make it for you with the the chipolata sausages, roasted peppers, and some potato inside it. Oh, beautiful. What's the closest? What's the what's the? I guess the easiest one to access from the city because most people be staying Probably. in the city. Probably Avondale is like the close. Lakeside and Avondale are probably the closest, and Port Melbourne. They're the three that are like. But the CBD you wouldn't really want to. Would you want to go find parking at Port for Port Melbourne? No, you wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> Your whole trip's gone. Um, Lakeside's probably the easiest to get to via public transport. But if you like, Avondale's in Parkville, so it's kind of close. So yeah, like they're probably the easiest. So you can easily get on a train anyway. That's, so. no, that's probably enough soccer food safari. <laughs> Neil Simons asks, now Sorry. that Bazanic has signed for the Wanderers, who's next to be abducted by aliens? Uh, Serious answers still or players, joke answers? Uh, give me any answers. But there, there are still players that have been abducted by aliens. For example, we've barely seen anything um, from Daniel Arzani. We're kind of like, where is well, he? It was, it was Manuel Pucciarelli's birthday the other day. So he's, <laughs> still, we, he's he... still out there. Did he say anything in social media? Like that's Melbourne, kind of the Mel- Melbourne City. It. Melbourne City posted it, but <laughs> was that maybe like a call for help? Like you know, you know, come home to us, Poochie. But yeah, probably not. Uh, I don't know. It's a tough one. If we we'll answer this question in October next season, yeah. Um, all right, I think that is all for the questions on Twitter. So finally. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about Marquise because one of the ones that kind of uh, has been linked to the A-League, to Brisbane Raw kind of most strongly, is Charlie Austin. Um, Dabano, you have some thoughts on this matter? Uh, all I can say is, and I know Joey disputes me on this, that he thinks I'm not a Wigan fan, but I definitely am. Uh, I remember Charlie Austin haunts me and a lot of Wigan fans' memories because he scored a very famous goal to get QPR in the playoffs to get QPR into the playoff final uh, in 2014. And that was my first memory of Charlie Austin. I remember Charlie Austin. Like, I think whenever I think of Charlie Austin, all I think about is that famous interview. You know that one when he was playing for Southampton? They put, I think it's the Parkland music underneath it, and he's fuming about the VAR and the offside. He's absolutely yeah. losing in that in that presser. Um, in terms of him as a player, I mean, there were a few seasons he actually scored quite a few goals in the Prem, but recently he hasn't really done much. Like he's been playing in the Championship again for QPR. Um, you know, I guess in terms of him coming here, he's been very cryptic on Twitter. He 
did like this. It was like a um, what you see like when you were like sixteen, and there was someone who'd post on their story like a real like cryptic quote from like you know some song, and it'd be like because they're upset about a relationship or something like that, and they went over and say, oh, "Hey, you okay?" Uh, it was you know sometimes you got to roll the dice many times throughout my career. So far, I have rolled it, so why not once more? So I mean, if you're gonna roll the dice. It kind of says that he's looking at a move away from England. He's played in England his whole life. So maybe he's looking at a move here. Um, in terms of marquee, I don't think he's a marquee worthy. I think he's salary cap worthy. I don't know about marquee. Uh, but for Brisbane Raw, playing up top, they do need goals. I don't know. I mean, he's, what, 31 years old? He's been playing football. He hasn't been scoring as many goals, but... We'll see. <laughs> Antonis Pagonas says, Charlie Austin saw that viral clip of Aussie refs using VAR well with mics and thinks he's coming to a good situation. It's true. Every time like the rest of the world sees that clip, they think, oh, we do it so well here. It's like, nah, it's not really like that. But anyway, Pakua, Charlie Austin, does uh, he uh, excite you enough to watch Brisbane n- Raw next season? Not a chance. If we're talking <laughs> about, you know, forgotten English players, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather see Jack Wilshire here. Uh, I'm oh, not. Yeah. I don't. Not particularly excited for Charlie Austin, but the streets won't forget Charlie Austin's seasons with QPR. They were they were fantastic. They were good vibes. Um, but I would, if we're going to pick an English player that's like done, give me Jack Wilshere and not okay. Look, I hate to repeat myself. Um, you know, from about eight years ago, but there was a friendly today with Ronaldinho versus Roberto Carlos in Miami. <laughs> and Ronaldinho, yeah. I was still keen to see his highlights, bro. He might be 44, he might be drunk, he might Mate. have gone to jail, he might be overweight. Bro, if he signed for Brisbane Raw, I swear to God, I mean, I mean, I don't care. Do you know, Stoll, Stoll, after seeing that friendly this morning and seeing Chad Ochocinco score two penalties, maybe an A-League team will also pick him up as well because he's always said he wants Look, to play football. <laughs> not, not to make this about um, basketball again, but Steve Nash scored a nice goal as well, uh, coach oh, of the gosh. Brooklyn Nets. So, Doesn't know, he own um, a football team? Like he's a part owner of, yeah, I think it's one Vancouver. of the Spanish teams. Yeah. Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, oh, he also was a part owner of Mallorca. Don't know if he still yeah. is. Um, Hirado says, don't care about Marquee. Just want a decent stay. True. They actually really do need to sort that out. That's probably much more of a priority. Just um, Charlie Austin go, go, go. as a Marquee, he scores a 4 out of 10 on the NRI scale. Ooh. Ooh, this is a breaking. Uh, we're going to kind of introduce this to us the season. But we've created an NRI scale. All right? So I want to give everyone basically... We determined in my well, this is how I've determined it. You tell me if I'm right. 10 out of 10 on the uh marquee scale is every single person who even kind of a 10 out of 10 is if Cristiano partner no, a 10 out of 10 is if Nick Stoll's partner Freya and my partner Joe knows who the person is. So, Messi, Ronaldo, David Beckham is pretty much three. And we tried it with the test with Fabregas yesterday. And who was was it, Joey's or neither? Neither Joe or Freya knew that who was it. A washing machine, washing machine detergent. I said, when I say says Fabregas, what does she think? And I was like, she goes, I don't know, washing powder or something? She goes, it was Fabregas or something. So, but I say Fabregas, in my opinion, is an eight out of 10 on the scale, marquee scale because yeah. 10 out of 10, Messi, Ronaldo, blah, blah, blah. 8 out of 10, all the Arsenal fans love him. Chelsea fans, quite a lot of them like him as well. Barca fans have uh, affiliation to him. And, and, and just as wasn't. a TNC, like there have been recent reports linking Cesc Fabregas, well, whispers, mm. not even reports. Nobody's actually written it down, but there have been 
you know, there has been social media talk of Fabregas being targeted by MacArthur, and I don't know about that, but I do know he was on the list. Of I, w- I would like to see that the APL was like targeting. I was told, in fact, I was told that he was on the list and Giorgio Chiellini wasn't. Oh. Yeah, but uh, Dabani, you don't understand. No one wants to see a center back. That's Fabregas would, would be fun. Not uh, too far but, from cool. what I was told actually happened next time. <laughs> can, can I just <laughs> say, no, no, but, but, but also remember as well, let's be real. Chiellini already was going to LA. Like, there was no way they were going to coerce him out of going to LA. Like, if, if you have that deal done, you tell him, right, Sydney or LA, maybe Melbourne. But not LA. Oh, go to Sydney. Bro, you're gonna go. To- LA sucks. All right. LA. Is yeah, but he's gonna be bad about Sydney. He's gonna Worst be like hanging out with LeBron James. He's gonna probably hang out LeBron and Kawhi. He's like, not gonna you know, hang out with LeBron James. There will be a photo with Giorgio Chiellini and LeBron James. Mark. No, maybe not like LeBron. Maybe, maybe Russell. Maybe Russell Westbrook. Man, I've got I've got photos <laughs> with lots of famous people. Doesn't mean I'll hang out with them. Including Messi. Hang- he's got a photo with Messi. This is good. I've got a photo with Ian or Messi. I don't hang out on the reg with Leon. Yeah, but they might take a photo together. Like, just Ivano, because they get a photo, they're going to hang out. Can you imagine Chiellini going over to LeBron's place for dinner and he's like, Taco Tuesday. Like, <laughs> Chiellini's <laughs> just like... <laughs> no, like, if, if, if Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, was still alive, yeah, I imagine he and Chiellini would hook up given the Italian football yeah. history yeah. of Kobe. I can't... I don't, like, no. Just well, I know you love Chiellini. Nick, I think like he's not. If if, if Danilo Gallinari gets a trade to the Lakers or the Clippers, then one hundred percent they'll be hanging out. But I don't. Okay, know. But like I moving like on. So you've yeah, got a better chance. Back to the point at hand, because <laughs> this pod's almost two hours, and I was I was assured this was an espresso podcast. Um, <laughs> so with your friends, how can you how can you say no? <laughs> Charlie Austin, four out of ten. Scalp, okay, maybe pushing so five out of ten on the NRI scale. Premier League experience. Chat. English yep. scored goals in the Premier League. Pictures of him on, on Getty Images next to famous people. Yeah, but okay, but cool. I w- three names, and I want to give. I want you to give me their name recognition index score in your opinion out of ten. Their marquee score. So Fabregas, Chiellini, and Austin. Go. Austin three, Chiellini <laughs> a seven. Ooh, that's and... high. That's too high for Chiellini. Too high? Oh. No, no, hold oh, on. Let's see what she gives Sesk. Let's see what she gives Sesk. I was going to give Sesk an eight. Oh. I feel like we've got a lot of Italians in Australia. Thank you. Italians Ivana. in Australia. Mate, yeah. you got to remember exactly right. I know it's like, and this is just more about just general demographic right here in Australia. There is a big Italian community that I don't care if he's yeah. a center back. Chiellini is a freaking like he's one of the most favorite sons of any Italian. Like even Milan Inter fans love him, even though he pocketed Lukaku for all those seasons in all those big games. He is like loved for what he did in the Euros, especially like and everyone knows him because of the memes too. Like you know the pulling the pulling Bakaya Saka back. The they hugging. know what his, they know his face. They no, know okay, his okay, name. okay. Let me explain. I think that there'd be enough of a sugar hit in the early stages that say, if, look, he's not coming here because he's already signed with LA. But if he did, there'd be enough of a sugar <laughs> Man, just hit. Give me a score. Okay. A seven for Chiellini. Seven for Chiellini. A seven for Fabregas. I wouldn't say he's an eight. I'd say he's a seven. A seven. Are you nah. seriously trying to claim nah. that Chiellini's the same NRI score as Cesc Fabregas? No chance. 
This is I why you got to wear a beanie, mate. You, you takes a cold. No, your head's cold because cold. I think that even though he played in the Premier Liga, I think that the fact that there are enough Italians in Australia, it would almost level it out. No, that's my thinking. No, I think you're wrong there. Nick. Premier okay. League, no. okay. Premier League, oh, NRI. Sorry. Okay, so for having an opinion, guys. Uh, Charlie Austin, I'd say he's a three. Um, so yeah, Char- Charlie Austin, a three. So yeah, that's that's my rationale behind it. Sorry, guys. Right. I just wanted, just no. wanted to have my thoughts. But yeah, on that about about. Char- <laughs> about Let us know in the Austin. comment your scores. Your scores. Yeah, about, go about, about Charlie, Charlie about Charlie Austin. Um, I think the, the thing that'd be an interesting one to keep an eye on is that, that he'd also go to Brisbane, that there might be a bit of connection with that is that they are the only other A-League team playing Premier League opposition in the friendlies. So there's might maybe that little bit of connection to them. They're playing Leeds and Villa. So maybe there's a bit of sugar to capitalize on for Brisbane. Uh, so sugar in a short-term hit, I don't think it's going to do much, but just that to keep All in right. mind. Del Piero, uh, Antonis Pagano says ADP was bumped to a 10 because of Italians selling out every game. I would say nine, not a ten. He's no a way Frey has heard of he's Del not Piero. A 10. He's not a ten. He's a nine on the NRI. He's, he's more than Sesk. He's more than Sesk. And probably as well because of the the Italian diaspora. But I wouldn't say he's a ten. It's gonna you're gonna hate me for this take, Nick Nabana, but you know who probably is a ten? Would have been like sort of like ADP's sort of around the same time that would have been a ten, a striker. Wayne Rooney would have been a ten. Yeah, of um, course Wayne Rooney would be a 10. I'm not going to hate you for that. I, I agree with you on that. But what I'm saying is my logic is why it evens out is because there is a huge Italian community. It's you like can't, if, a, if, you know, if, you, if you can't you can't use ethnic ties to put yourself over for a 10. If you need, if your argument... Not saying he's a 10. Not saying he's a 10. I'm talking about Chiellini. I'm saying the reason oh. why I have him and Fabregas on the same level is because Chiellini gets bolstered by the demographic in Australia. It's like if a Greek player came and played here, considering Melbourne is the second biggest Greek, the biggest Greek city outside of Greece, I think as well they'd rank quite high because there is a uh, lot of people that know Connor, Greek players. Connor with, Connor with, Maybe um, not Paniotis Connor. I'm talking about someone yeah. that was in that like golden generation Greek I'm not saying now. But I'm yeah. saying like if Kadisteus came and played here yeah. in say 2008 or 2009, he would have been, even if he played like absolute dog crap, there would have been people like lining up because he's a Greek hero. Same with, you know, uh, Georges Karagounis. We saw the, you know, people coming into seeing Katsaranis play and he didn't give two craps when he was playing for Heidelberg. Like, Can I say it, the it, one it, reason? It's sugar, yeah. The Sorry. one reason Fabregas will always score higher on the NRI scale than Chiellini? Played in the Premier League. No, 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 it's not even the Premier League. I mean, that that too. He's going to play a clip, I presume. No, it's but not play a clip. Up. Oh. There are pitches... Of Cesc Fabregas holding a World Cup trophy. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's okay. Deep breaths, Nick. Deep breaths. Okay. Uh, Edmund Al Young. I'm, I'm, asks, not, I'm not even. I'm not even going to bother. I'm not going to bother. Ed, I'm not Edmund Al Young asks, "Is one Mara on the list?" I don't think so. But Torres makes the good point. One Mata would be good. Phil <laughs> 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 Mata says, "What about Mata de Costa?" I, I think. I think uh, one Mata de Costa. Sevens. They're kind of sevens for me. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, look, Pakua, who with, you know, great Ghanaian players, is there any, could we get a, um, you know, a Prince if Boateng? They, they, yeah, if they bring SCN. Kevin Prince Boateng down here, even, you know, after he disgraced the national team, I'm all in on it. If <laughs> Sully Muntari decides he wants to come back and play football, oh, I'm here, I'm there. Um, Michael Essien, who, if he comes player? out of retirement. Yeah, Michael who's the, yeah, Stephen, Stephen Apaya? Stephen, Stephen Apaya? Stephen Apaya. Who's the player? Yeah, 
who's the player who brings out the most Ghana, like the most people from the Ghanaian community if, to an A League game if they sign? To an A League game, if Asmajan or Michael Essien showed up, yeah. it would be done. The stadium Michael, would be rocking. Wasn't Michael Essien linked with a move to Melbourne Where's Victory it? a few years ago? Well, no, like, no, he was. He actually yeah. was. He he was, um, and then decided to chase the money, and he went to one of the Middle Eastern countries. But yeah, and he chased the money. Good friend. If Kevin Prince Boateng came to the R League Amends, I think he'd actually awesome. be a great marquee for the A League. You know, he would be awesome. Good vibes. He's he? So or, good. Or, or you know, or we take we can take Balotelli back, and that'd be a great marquee or, also. Or Pakua, uh, you're talking my lingo now. You are really. Ta- I've got a friend on the pod. I, I have a friend. There we go. We, we've we've given we've given the APL. They can add some uh, names to this. All right, guys. This was the espresso pod. Hence why it hasn't gone for two hours. Hence why I'm wrapping up at an hour and fifty minutes. Uh, Nick Dabana, grazie. I I I'm still cut. The fact that I got. It's all right. Anyways, no, it's all good. Thank you. Man, they... Look, it's a game of opinion, and your opinion just lost three nil. That's it. Uh, hey, from that's Pong, fine. Thank you so much for coming on. It was fun to be. Joey on. Lynch, thank you so much for persevering. Uh, we, we could see it was a struggle for you at certain points, but well, you know, it's just an espresso between friends. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. We really appreciate your comments. Um, that's the best part about the show. Uh, tune in next Sunday night. Uh, we'll have a pod for you. We'll talk more Matilda stuff. We'll talk about the latest A-League stuff. We'll talk about whatever's going on. It'll be an even shorter one. It'll be a – what's shorter than an espresso? A corto or something? I, I don't know. I don't know no, espresso's as short as it gets. <laughs> a baby cheeto. A, ba- a baby cheeto. <laughs> A, it, a will coffee, be a, a, it will be grabbing a fistful of beans and just chewing on them like a snack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right. All right, guys. Have a great night. See you next week.